Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Giant Splash podcast. I'm your host, Chronicle Giants beat writer Susan Slusser, and today our guest is Giants CEO Larry Bear. This is a good week to welcome Larry onto the podcast because, of course, the home opener is Friday. Larry, welcome. How are things going? How are the preparations coming for getting uh, things opened up finally for fans on Friday? Well, thanks, Susan. Uh, things are going well, and it's uh, I have to say there's so much pent-up demand, I think, both you know in the community but also within the Giants organization to be able to welcome back fans. And it's believe it or not, it's been 18 months or so since September of 2019 since uh, fans were, were last able to attend a, a baseball game. And, you know, it's going to be, I think, a, 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 a day and, and then the first homestand will be really a feeling of, uh, of gratitude and a reflection that we've been through a lot in the last year as a community, but um, ballparks are really a way for people to come together. And although there'll be some physical you know, separation and we'll be sitting in pods and we won't be literally next door to uh, strangers <laughs> so we're sitting in the ballpark, I think there'll be a great feeling of community and camaraderie. And I think it, it'll be emotional for me, I know, when we get to uh, – Friday at one thirty-five for the first pitch, and even the the uh, ceremonies uh, beginning earlier around one o'clock on Friday afternoon. Yeah, what sort of fun things are planned? Do you do you guys have a few maybe tricks up your sleeve with things to welcome fans back with? We do, and in traditional form, we we're not going to do too many reveals uh, before the before Friday, but we are going to have, you know, I think a really. Um, you know, meaningful uh, set of ceremonies that will recognize uh, all that we've been through as a community, and it'll be, um, you know, it'll be upbeat. It'll also be, uh, you know, recognize uh, the her- heroism that has been just such a part of our community, and a word that we u- we're going to be using a lot because I think it, it represents our community um, really well. And that word is resilience, and I think the folks that you'll see honored. On opening day will be individuals who demonstrated resilience uh, through all we've been through in, in the last year, and and um, it's also a lot of gratitude for 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 them. And it's a first chance for folks in San Francisco to really to get together in in larger numbers and and pay their respects and and uh, pay their tribute. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I, I know that Governor Newsom, um, just uh, in fact, before we started talking, was was mentioning that um, maybe sometime in June, full opening of the economy, I think uh, mid-June. Uh, what is the hope level there that perhaps at some point you get a full stadium? I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm knocking on wood right now and crossing <laughs> fingers. <laughs> you can't hear me crossing fingers. Maybe you can hear the knocking on wood. You know, what, what we're trying to do really, Susan, is we're trying to, you know, look to, you know, May being better than April and June being better than May. And it's, we know it's an incremental process. And we know the health numbers have to remain good. 
Um, we're really proud of, of San Francisco, the Bay Area in general, and, and the San Francisco community specifically because the numbers have been terrific. Uh, you know, compared to uh, to other parts of of the of the world, and um, and I say terrific. That's not to uh, diminish the fact that there are certain people certainly that have suffered in, in our own community, but but relatively good. And if they can continue relatively good and continue to improve, I think, and we can show that the fan safe procedures at the ballpark, which we believe are, are going to make the ballpark arguably the one of the safest places you could be uh, outdoors that uh, we're going to be able to get our, ourselves to a, to a place where uh, it's going to feel a lot much, a lot more like normal and much like the experience we're used to for baseball uh, later in the season. And I don't want to put a date to that, whether it's the All-Star break, whether it's June, whether it's the second half of the season, but um, you know, we're cautiously optimistic we can get there. Now, you, you mentioned to me when we talked briefly um, over the weekend that you guys were going to be looking at how the Yankees homestand went because they have some of the similar protocols in place that you guys will. Um, did, have you had a chance to talk to them? What were your impressions of how things went for them? Yes, we, we've talked to the Yankees, and the Yankees have uh, – New York City has some of the same protocols as San Francisco um, relating to being prepared to show a, a test – of uh, a negative test in the last 72 hours or proof of vaccination. And, um, and it went well with, with the Yankees. It went better than, than uh, they had forecast. And everybody, the great thing is that the fans in New York, and I think it'll be similar in San Francisco, they, they understand. It's not exactly going to be the same experience that we're used to at the gates and not the same experiences we're used to at the concession uh, opportunities. As we as we do concessions online and and the various things, but but um, but fans were willing to uh, to um, you know go through that, those different processes, knowing that just like we were saying a minute ago, that we'll come out the other end uh, in a in a place that uh, you know probably in 2021, hopefully in 2021, we'll be able to be uh, be back to a normalized situation. So um, I think the fans have that in the back of their mind, and and they're really really. Uh, encouraged by and want to get back to uh, to baseball and in person. And uh, having been to a game, as I know you have, games uh, without fans, uh, it's just, it's, it's the, the game of baseball has to, it really thrives on the energy of the fans. And having the fans back, even in numbers of about 9,000 on opening day, 8,800, 8,900, um, that's a meaningful difference versus zero. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think the fans will ever be taken for granted by anyone. Again, on on the business side of baseball teams, which uh, you run, I can't imagine anybody ever has taken fans for granted. But uh, I've I've heard of so many players and media members saying, oh, I miss the fans. Um, You were at some of the games in Scottsdale. How did you feel things went there with also limited capacity? Well, we went, things went well. We were very conservative, and I think that's if, if there's any message for the fans is that we are really looking out <clears throat> for your interests in terms of safety, health and safety. And um, we want the fans to trust us. And I think in Arizona, we were able to test some things and the, the distance seating and the way to do concessions. Uh, while the protocols in Arizona were different than San Francisco, we, we really doubled down and, and went beyond what was required uh, because we felt that we wanted to uh, just to make sure that we, we had uh, safety for not just the fans but also for our employees, the people that were working in Arizona as a slightly older uh, workforce also. And so, uh, so it went well. We had it was safe, 
and we expanded the number of fans that we allowed as we, over time. We started only, you know, in the five to seven hundred range, and then we ended up in the fifteen to eighteen hundred range. So we we tested all the systems and uh, create some good learnings for uh, for when we open here uh, in uh, San Francisco. That's great. Now, did you? You were obviously able to go to games uh, at Oracle Park last year, but did you have a cutout too? <laughs> we did. The family, our family had a cutout. Um, I seated when I when I went to the games. I, I, I was seated, uh, you know, separate from my cutout. So I guess I was there in duplicate. Um, but I, I have to say that there was a you know I, I was happy to see the games played. But I have to say, Susan, and I don't know if you felt this way, that you know it was almost a hollow experience, and it was sort of a sobering experience being there because, uh, as I said earlier, I mean the energy of the ballpark and it's a community feeling, and it's you know it's high fiving the person next to you when something good happens for the Giants, even if you may not even know that person, right? If you're if it's somebody sitting next to you and the the family connections and everything and all that that. My favorite, my favorite activity, one of my favorite activities in the ballpark, and I won't be able to do this initially this year, is to uh, walk through the stands and see, you know, mothers and sons and fathers and daughters and grandparents and grandchildren and high five them and and um, and just see that soak up the the energy of a of, of a great community experience and. And that was missing last year, and we're getting a little bit of that back uh, as we start this season, and hopefully we'll get it all back soon. And uh, and that's you know that's something that's really I think in many ways uniquely unique to baseball, and you don't necessarily have that as much in the other sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I know so many people that have formed lifelong friendships just at the ballpark. You know, from people they sit next to regularly or. You know, for sure. wound up talking to in a concession line or something. I mean, that's that's uh... right. Also, also the people along those lines that work at the ballpark. Yeah. We've had, you know, I guess services staff or ushers and security and ticket takers and ticket sellers through the years who've, who've got to know the, the uh, customers and they go to their, the, their life events. They go to birthday parties of their customers and they go to, you know, bar mitzvahs and weddings and, and everything. And, uh, you know, and, uh, they get birth announcements when somebody in their, in their seating section has a baby. I mean, it's just really, it's really a beautiful thing and it's, uh, and it extends over, over decades. Oh man, it's going to be so so great to see all of those people again. Now let's let's turn the focus to the team on the field. I know this is not your purview. That's of course in the the baseball operations people. But so far, what are your impressions of the team as somebody who watches every game and yeah. um, and runs the whole shebang? Well, yeah, well, I, I think we're we're pleased with the direction we're going. And again, you know, it's been a it's been a situation where we're trying to create a trajectory where. Uh, as, as some of the younger players that are going to be in the minor leagues this year, or, or at least start in the minor leagues as they develop, we're able to, uh, stay competitive at the major league level. And that's a, that's something that's, that's tricky, um, winning and developing, but it's also, um, we think with, you know, Farhan and Scott and Gabe, it's also doable. So we want to be really competitive. We're at, right now, as we speak, we're at 500. Um, beat the Padres last night. We think that uh, we have some you know, really good uh, play one-year contracts on, on some players, and we also have some players who have been around 
a while who have shown that they're um, they've got uh, they've got a lot left in the tank. Whether it's uh, Evan Longoria or Buster Posey, and so I think it's that mix with the younger players that are going to be coming and some of the younger players who are here now. Uh, you know, in the outfield with Yaz and, and Dickerson, et cetera, and, and Solano. So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting mix and we think it's a, it's, it, it's also a, a, a team of, of good personalities, yeah. right? And I know you've got to know some of them. And mm-hmm. by the way, welcome to the Giants beat. Oh, I should you. have said that at the beginning. We're, we're, we're thrilled to have you, uh, you, uh, with us. Um, you know, going forward, hopefully for many, many, many years. You know, Giants beat writers, by the way, don't tend to come and go. They no, They tend no. to stay around for decades. Absolutely. That's the plan. That's a, that's, that's, but, that's a plan. Talk to, talk to my, my boss, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing, Susan, is I, I do think that um, the systems have been put in place as it relates to instruction. Um, I think it's pretty noticeable that the that the improvement in the in the offensive statistics and the offensive approach through the hitting coaches and through Gabe and through the folks that have been working with our position players, um, you know, that was noticeable last year, and it seems to be picking up. You had four games. I don't want to make too much out of four games, but it, it uh, appears to be picking up. Uh, you know, just where we left off last year, and you know, if there was ever kind of a hallmark of the Giants through the years, long term, it's been, you know, a power hitting team. If you go back to Mays and McCovey and Bonds, etc. And uh, right now, as we sit, I believe we are tied for the uh, major league lead in home runs. Yes, that sounds that sounds right. I mean, Evan Longoria all by himself, I think, practically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, that, I don't want to make too much out of four yeah. games. But um, I think that it's going to be exciting, and I think also, you know, the we're, we're going to be, you know, we're, it's a versatile approach where um, if things something isn't working or adjustments need to be made in the middle of the season, um, I think you've seen that uh, Farhan and and Scott are willing to to do the to do that, and you know, will not, you know, if we have run some bumps on the road, as as you saw we did last year, we'll we'll, we'll adjust as we go. We'll be back in just a moment with more with Giants CEO Larry Bear in just a moment. But a reminder, you can find all our Giants coverage and the rest of our baseball coverage at sfchronicle.com. And to subscribe, you can go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You mentioned sort of the the fact that your your team is really getting this reputation for uh, kind of cutting edge data and a coaching staff that it can apply it. Um, and obviously, the on the pitching side, that's the case too. I think you guys are attracting free agents who feel like this it's a good landing spot for bounce back seasons. Obviously, Gosman last year and Smiley, and now uh, Di Sclafani, Aaron Sanchez, guys like that. Um, what are your impressions on kind of how, how that is all coming together, especially with this very big, very young coaching staff, but um, kind of right, you know, right in the mix with all, all the advanced technology and data? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question because I think that where we are now in baseball, it used to be sort of on the analytics side, it was who you drafted and the advantage, the competitive advantage was on who you drafted or how you evaluated. And now it's really be, become sort of the the real ground of competition is is the, the ability to develop or the the ability to take a to take a pitcher or a position player and develop them in the minor leagues or actually develop them in real time in the major leagues and that's where the competitive advantage is if you if you can do it and and uh, we really feel good about um, the coaches on on both sides of of, of the ball. I didn't want to just uh, you know highlight our hitting coaches. Our pitching coaches have been terrific. I mean, Kevin Gosman had a breakout year last year and uh, a great first start this year. Um, and uh, Disclafani, we we feel as somebody in that category that has the ability to to really emerge and had a really good outing last night uh, in San Diego. So we that's a that's something that I think. You know, all the teams are focused on, but you have to have the right folks to do it. And we re- are really confident in the uh, in the coaching staff we have, and we're thrilled by the fact that the uh, coaching staff came back in total yeah. from last year. Yeah. So uh, there was one actually one one that got recruited away, but right. but uh, pretty much you know twelve out of thirteen is not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thirteen's a lot, but yeah, it's a, it's actually very yeah. impressive, and they're also young. It's sort of annoying, except for except we think for. We a good investment, so to have to have you know really good coaching. That's a you know that's a strong investment for for the future. Um, Absolutely, you know can't have too much uh, too much knowledge. No, for sure. Um, now, do business executives have favorite players? You do you not like to play favorites. I mean, you could cheat and say. <laughs> Mace, but do you do you find yourself with, you know, secretly kind of rooting for? I mean, you're rooting for all of them, obviously. But do you have some favorites? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you you develop relationships with the players through the years. Although I have to say, within COVID last year and this year, um, you know, it's the the interaction is really confined to texts and emails or phone calls. Um, so. You know, it's interesting. My favorites tend to be um, not necessarily the superstars, but the but the but the guys that go all out and uh, and and really give everything. So on the field, so um, uh, you know, it's not at the expense of anybody else, but. Uh, I would, you know, say like somebody that is a favorite because I did get to spend some time with him before. Spring training uh, was was curtailed last year, and actually, when when he came over to the Giants the year before in a trade, is um, Dubon yeah. or Dubon. Uh, he's he's just such. I just love his story, you know, from Honduras, which is a which is a first. You know, very very few players, if any, have ever come from Honduras. Goes to Sacramento, is a uh, is uh, you know, reveres Brandon Crawford in. Um, Growing up in Sacramento because he played his position and saw the Giants win championships with with Craw at shortstop and then uh, and and even though um, Doobie is is playing center field now which is great and has turned in you know we think to uh, you know a really good uh, center fielder you know his shortstop second base were, was his position before and it just it's, it's just a great story it's kind of like almost a uh, you know a uh, turn back the clock story to Brandon Crawford holding up the sign as a four-year-old with his dad at the games following the Giants and saying save you know save my Giants back in the 90s when the Giants almost moved so 
Um, those, I, I love the human interest stories and the way that you can sort of circle back. So those are the stories I like to gravitate to and the people. Um, but, you know, and, there, and there's you know, so many other great folks. I mean, Buster and Kristen Posey and what they've done uh, in conjunction with the Giants organization and on their own with their own initiatives around um, childhood cancer, pediatric cancer. Um, you know, he'll always have a special place in, in our hearts for, for the person he is, as well as the, as well as, uh, you know, obviously the, um, Hall of Famer that he is. Yeah. And man, he looks rejuvenated this year. Um, he and Longoria both. That's, uh, which is so which great is to see. Yeah. So great to see. Cause I think when you see teams that do well, it, they often are a balance. You know, it's not usually an all veteran team and it's not usually an all young team. It's the teams that kind of get there at the end. Um, it tended to have that mix and, you know, and, and then you can also add to that mix. I know a lot of times, and we did this with, when we had fairly young teams fighting for the playoffs, you know, whether it's adding a Pat Burrell or a Hunter Pence, Marco Scudero in the middle. So you can, you know, the team, as you know, Susan, the team you start out with in April is very rarely the team that you end up with if you're in a pennant race in September. Um, so you can add to that. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that is your purview, being on the business side, is um, things that do with deal with ownership and players and the union and all of that. Um, one thing that's sort of looming after this season, you know, I think you know where I'm going, and it, it might be a little bit contentious after there were some contentiousness last year in developing all the protocols, and then again this year with uh, the, the expanded playoffs and the DH conversations. But the CBA. What are your thoughts on on the next year's CBA, and um, you know how how much of an issue might it be? Are you feeling pretty optimistic about it? I, I think. Look, I, it, it's hard to to lay odds. Uh, we've been through since I've been with the Giants. Now we've been through what four or five CBAs, and there's always at this time when you're a year out, there's always the the sort of gathering the information, coming up with the strategy. Yeah, and that's the stage we're in now. So I, I can't really handicap it. I, what I would say is that um, you know, while there there are differences, I think we we there's a lot of commitment from the owner side to you know to to have a system that works for everyone. I think there's commitment from the player side, and I'm I'm optimistic that we'll we'll get there. It's not going to be fast or easy, but I'm optimistic that we'll get there and and um, you know keep the game on the field for the for the fans. What about uh, Universal DH expanded playoffs? Is it still possible at all this year, or is that something you think will well, be for I, the future? I, I, I think you know they'll all be tied to rule changes. Will be tied to the CBA because they, the players, as they should, have you know have input on that. I think the one thing that was clear from last year, and these were uh, COVID necessitated changes uh, to the rules. But also allowed us to experiment things like the extra inning rule and um, with the runner on second base, and we had already um, uh, introduced the three batter rule and even the seven seven inning double header, second game double header. Um, you know, some of those were were well received by the fans, and so we're also you know we do, it allowed us to do some research and, and sample fan opinion on some of those rules. So I think there'll be there'll be uh, rules that will. Um, discuss as part of the collective bargaining agreement and see where the players' heads are um, and see if, you know, just all in interest to, to make the game better. A universal DH, same thing. Um, you know, we haven't had a lot of rule changes in baseball, really. Um, if you go through the, the other sports, 
you know, basketball with the three-point line and the NFL with protecting the quarterback. I mean, baseball's been pretty much, other than the original DH in the American League, that goes way back into the, what, 90s, um, this was, uh, or before that even, uh, you know, baseball hasn't had a lot of rule changes. So, you know, to, to tweak, to make the game better for the fans, um, I think is in everyone's interest. Yeah. Um, now, another area in which you, you wind up getting involved and, and everyone in ownership now kind of winds up getting involved is politics have kind of come into the game, every sport at every level, um, as the, the recent moving of the All-Star Game showed. Um, and the Giants have a couple of times had to address some issues with one of your principal owners, Charles Johnson, who's kind of stepped back a little bit at this point um, to various different political organizations. Um what, what did you think of the way that the team handled that, the team's stance on some of those things, and, and are you concerned about um, this being an issue in the future? Well, I think that, look, the Giants have always stood in the community for, you know, for on issues that are important to the community. I, I go back to the early 90s and when we took a stance on, on uh, AIDS and, and gay rights, uh, et cetera, where, and that wasn't, something that the special sports teams had done so we we don't we certainly don't shy away from it um i think we also have to recognize though that you know people come to ball games to to enjoy an experience that maybe gets away from politics too so you know if there's an issue in our community that's important i know you know in the wake of 9-11 and not all issues, not all sort of issues that are on our minds are necessarily controversial, right? So I remember in the wake of 9-11, people returned to the ballpark and, you know, and there was just a coming together, a communal spirit that, um, you know, that we were grateful to, to be Americans and grateful to be together. And, um, you know, and, and everybody was pretty scared, um, in the days after 9-11. So, so we, we look at the ballpark as a town center and as a, as a place where people can come together and, and enjoy a sense of community. We had a, um, we've had for 20 years, we've worked with the, um, with community leaders on violence prevention issues, um, you know, that relate to, um, you know, to, uh, gun control and other things. So I think that, you know, that there's, there's a role for it, a place for it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, sort of the hardcore, hard scrabble politics either. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's switch back to our original topic, which is the most fun, the home opener Friday. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to at the ballpark? I'm most looking forward to the recapturing that feeling, Susan, of of just you know beginnings, new beginnings that opening day brings. And this is times ten the, the normal opening day because it's a it's not just you know the winter is over and the weather is getting nice and here comes you know spring and summer, but this is a year of. Of, a, of, of really tough challenges in a community where most of us were, um, if we could, um, you know, housebound or, or you know, and, and some were work, some folks were working in, in dangerous and, and risky um, conditions. So I'm what I, I'm looking for, forward to on Friday is really a sort of rejoicing all of that with all of that and rejoicing the and and kind of reflecting on what where we've come as a community and. And the the fact that through a lot of, of really you know miracles from 
human effort, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in healthcare workers and food service workers and in the pharmaceutical companies delivering vaccines way faster than anybody thought that, um, that we're, we're, you know, that we've, we've, we're getting there and uh, just a lot of gratitude and being able, even though I can't hug strangers, I can only hug people in my pod. Um, I'm going to do virtual hugs to try to do virtual hugs to 8,900 people. That sounds like a plan. And garlic fries, I think that's probably that might be where I had first. The, I think the garlic fries, and it's you know what's great is not just eating the garlic fries; it's the smell of the garlic oh, fries. That's okay. become like the baseball smell, in, in, at least in San Francisco. For sure, yeah, I can't wait. Larry Bear, thanks so much for joining us on the Giant Splash, and looking forward to a, a very fun first homestand for the Giants. Thanks so much, Susan, and um, welcome again to The Beat, and uh, it's great to have you, and to our fans, uh, it's just wonderful to, to have you back at the ballpark. Look forward to seeing you, if not Friday, uh, as we go through games here in, uh, in the beginning of the season. Yeah, should be a blast. Thanks again, Larry. Thanks so much for listening to the Giant Splash podcast. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We will be back again next week with more Giant Splash.